Welcome to It's Still Bedlam. I'm Ryan Aber, joined by John Helsley. Uh, John, here to talk about college basketball, and there's plenty to talk about in this state with uh, the recent fortunes of both OU and OSU. We'll start off with you and, and Oklahoma State. Uh, it's always a difficult time when you go to, uh, to Lawrence, to the fog, but uh, once again, OSU hung in tight with a, a team in a difficult environment, but once again couldn't come out with the win. Couldn't come out with the win. And, uh, you know, I asked everybody on Twitter near the end of that game, how in the heck is OSU even in this game <laughs> still? You know, they were getting killed on the boards. They were um, not shooting the ball well. They were getting nothing from their bench players. It just seemed like everything had added up, stacked up against them, which is what I wrote. And yet there they are down just six with a minute 48 to play. And um, very strange game. Too many fouls, you know, totally interrupted any flow to the game for both sides, obviously. Um, I'm sure people were turning off their sets throughout (laughs) America that uh, weren't heavily invested in the Cowboys or Jayhawks. Yeah, I was following the the OU-West Virginia game since OU was in Morgantown and I didn't make that trip. But uh, that game was over, flipped over to the OSU-Kansas game, and there were still like eight, nine minutes left in the game, and they started at the same time. I noticed that you had finished your blog post on five thoughts before my game ended. (laughs) And I I didn't really get in a hurry to finish that because I was waiting for official box and, you know, other, other stuff like that to make sure that everything lined up. Bill Self had a great line. You know, he talked about how long the game was, and they said, I'm glad I didn't drink much water at halftime. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> and that's because the game dragged on that long, you know? Have you ever seen a coach say, call a timeout and run to the restroom? <laughs> you might have seen it that night. Uh, a combined, what, uh, 71 free throws uh, between the teams. Kansas shot 46, 46. of them. Just uh, unreal. And uh, it seems like what kept – OSU in the game a little bit was that that Nash and and Phil Forte got to the line consistently. They got to the line, and, and, and the truth is, OSU didn't play very good. Kansas didn't play very good either, you know, and and that's part of why they were still around. Um, it was just it it was a strange game in a lot of ways. Nash kind of continued doing what he does, which is have one really good half. It was the second half. He scored nineteen points in the second half. Only had two in the first <laughs> half. Phil Forte has 16 in the first half, only has two in the second half, you know. And it's like part of his was he started cramping up really badly, had to come off the court quite a bit. Um, And and his success is really tied to how hard he works, you know, to get open. I mean, he's running around constantly trying to find some opening to get a shot off. And with that that cramping, it was hard for him. It was really difficult. so, yeah, just a, a very strange game to watch. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like I said, I didn't get to watch much of it because uh, I was paying attention to OU West Virginia. And uh, on the OU side, just a, a wild turn of events here the last week. I mean, we're talking about OU as a potential Big 12 champion after they, they go down to Austin and just blow out Texas. They come back, they lose a, a tight game to Kansas State, but there were a lot of things that uh, you know made you wonder about that game because of uh, because of their problems, especially on the offensive end. And then West Virginia, we knew how much improved they were defensively, the way that Bob Huggins has has tweaked his his defense. But uh, OU just could not handle that pressure at all, and uh, 
just flat out got smoked by the Mountaineers. You know, I, I, obviously I was following following you on Twitter and c- getting the updates, and I was startled by it. I mean, because it seemed like it, it was that way from the get-go, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it just seemed like OU fell behind pretty quick and, and just really never seemed to, to make a lot of headway in, in getting back in that thing. And, um, yeah, surprising, you know. Everybody's going to lose a game here or there and, or have a bad game. For some reason, I don't expect long Kruger teams to have two bad games in a row. Yeah, definitely, and and this was definitely a bad game. I mean, the, the guards really struggled to move the ball up court. They did do better with their ball movement. Uh, once they got it into the half court, the problem was getting it into the half court. And then uh, rebounding, which has been a, a strength of this team, especially from the guards, uh, really struggled as well. They were out-rebounded by seven. It isn't a huge number, but there was a lot of times where it seemed like they had an opportunity to pull down a defensive rebound and get things going the other way, and a West Virginia guy would uh, bat it out of their hands almost immediately, whether it wound up being a, a turnover or a, a rebound the other way. Uh, West Virginia wound up creating points like that, outscored, uh, outscored OU on turnovers 27-12, to 12, outscored them in the paint 32-26, to 26, which isn't something we've seen uh, in Big 12 play as, as OU's dominated. And then second chance points, 20-9. to nine. Uh, OU has to get something figured out real quick because uh, we've talked about this. The Big 12 schedule is just such a grind uh, that you can't afford to have these extended uh, periods of struggle. And certainly it looks like that way coming up. They've got Oklahoma State on Saturday, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Then they go to Kansas and Baylor next week, and those are two uh, really tough environments to play in as well, and it seems like right now OU really, really needs to go two and uh, two and one in that stretch. Yeah, you would think so, and I, I think it puts a lot of emphasis on this game Saturday uh, for for both teams. You know, Oklahoma State's coming off a loss. Um, it, it's it's not necessarily a game you ever expect anybody to win going into Allen Fieldhouse. They don't lose there very often, <laughs> but um, they've had now two road games. That, that, that they were close in. So I think there's that feeling of, golly, we had a chance maybe to steal a win in Ames or a chance to steal a win in Kansas. You don't get it. Um, but I think also, um, obviously, it could really give OSU a huge boost, you know, if they could somehow get a road win at OU, right? And then they start, the, you know, the schedule that's been really rough for them then flips a little <laughs> bit. They get Texas Tech at home, you know, and, and they're going to have three of their next four games at home. And so that's a big game, obviously, for them, uh, even though they haven't won in, in Norman in a while. And now all of a sudden, OU looks like it's almost a must-win game <laughs> just for, you know, appearances' sake. And, I mean, obviously the, the, the uh, Big 12 schedule's not over <laughs> if they don't win. But, golly, you don't want to get into a three-game losing streak with two of those games being on your home floor. Absolutely. And let's talk about Saturday a little bit. You mentioned OSU struggles in Norman. Uh, what do you feel like has been behind that? Because there have been times where OSU has had the better team on paper out of out of this group, and and just hasn't been able to to come out of Norman with a win. And Norman's Lloyd Noble Center isn't exactly known as uh, you know the toughest road environment to play in in this league. I can't tell you that I can really explain it. <laughs> I just know this: the last several years that I've been down there for that game, I always feel like. OSU plays a bad game, you know what I mean? And, and that's not to say that anything about o, OU. It just seems like it's like they get down there, they get behind, you know, something strange seems to happen to them. 
You know, somebody gets hurt. That happened one year with James Anderson. It looked like they were going to win that game. He gets hurt, can't finish. Um, you know, it just seems like they don't play well in Norman, and, and I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's it's probably as good of, of an OU atmosphere as there is right. during the season <laughs> because it is Bedlam, you know. Uh, maybe Kansas atmosphere is similar when they come to town. But, you know, it, it's really hard to explain because um, last couple times they weren't even in the game, didn't feel like. Yeah, and, and last year uh, Marcus Smart and Markel Brown really struggled from the field. I believe a combined, what, 13 of 35 from the field. Ryan Spangler had a uh, just a phenomenal offensive game, which isn't something – or actually phenomenal game all around. I mean, 15 points, 17 rebounds. We've gotten used to double-doubles from him, but he's not usually going to produce that kind of points and get to the line that consistently that uh, leads to that. And uh, Jordan Woodard got to the free-throw line a ton last year, which is something that he's gotten away from a little bit and needs to. So, uh, John, what to you is the key for, for Oklahoma State on Saturday to be successful? Well, here comes the broken record uh, portion <laughs> of the uh, podcast. LeBron Nash needs to play 40 minutes. You know, I mean, he's a guy that they have to have offensively. And we've seen that in so many of these games here is that when he plays well, they do well. And a lot of that is tied to his aggressiveness. You know, he he can play very passively at times, and that's what happened in the first half at KU. Um, He comes out in the second half. He's taking the ball to the hole. He's getting fouled. You know, he's a good free throw shooter, or he's getting some buckets in there. Um, he has got to play well. Now, I think another huge matchup, I think, is going to be at the guards. You know, I mean, uh, Forte's going to have to play well. You know, how's Woodard going to play? You know, how's Anthony Hickey, you know, maybe contend with Heald or Woodard, whoever. Uh, I, you know, I think there's some really nice matchups out there that that will play a huge role. I think OU's definitely got the, the, uh, the advantage inside. You know, with two guys that can that can do damage in there, but uh, I like it. I think it's an in- interesting matchup. I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, I I anticipate it. I uh, think it'll be a great game. I look forward to seeing how OU's guards and the switching that they do up top and some of the things they do defensively that have been successful for them for the most part this year. If they get back to to doing that well and have some success against Oklahoma State's guards, because we know those. Those guys, uh, when they get space, they can kill you out there. But uh, OU has done a good job with uh, Cousins and Heald and Woodard uh, switching a- around and, and really making it difficult for, for outside shooters for the most part. But uh, the the inside matchup between Tayshawn Thomas and, and Ryan Spangler uh, on the, the OU end and, and Oklahoma State's big guys, especially Cobbins, uh, will be, be interesting to me to see uh, – what they're able to do with that and how they're able to exploit it because you know as as much as OU struggled over the last couple of games it's hard to question what Lon Kruger is as a coach and and he uh, can make adjustments and he can figure out things to to take advantage of things and I I think he'll be able to to do that a little bit will it be enough on Saturday uh, we'll see but uh, should certainly uh, be a fun one in uh, Norman at the Lloyd Noble Center. Yeah, and, you know, talking a little bit more about that inside matchup, you know, Cobbins is a very good defender. He can't cover them both. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to be somewhat, somewhat unaccounted for there. And it'll be interesting to see how OSU handles that. LeBron Nash really is there for, you know, just by, you know, somebody has <laughs> to be, 
You yeah. Know? Um, sort of like last year when yeah. Cam Clark was OU's four when just somebody had to be. Yeah. And, and Nash is not a great defender. And so that's that could be troubling. And, uh, you know, both teams, I think, are very good defensively at the guard spot. So that's going to be interesting, you know. Uh, you talked about how, how good uh, OU is out there. OSU's good at the guards, too. Those guys can defend. Hickey and Jeff Newberry, who's been playing uh, really since Big 12 play began and playing well, um, that's going to be fun. And uh, let me ask you this. Some of the comments coming out of the West Virginia locker room after the game I found interesting, and I know you probably haven't had a chance to to dive into it with anybody at OU yet, but some of those – Talking about being able to exploit some things that they saw and attack, and what'd you make of that? Yeah, I think uh, I think people are realizing that OU's point guard position, uh, at least on the offensive end and getting the ball up court, you can uh, do some different things with pressure and, and force them into some turnovers pretty quickly, especially when Jordan Woodard isn't on the floor because they've had to switch to Isaiah Cousins running the point. Denzel Walker was their backup point guard early in the season. Uh, he really struggled with uh, carrying the ball. Uh, Cousins is better than he has been, but uh, can still get in a situation where he makes mistakes and, and gives up the ball and, and leads to really easy buckets on the other end. So I think uh, that's the biggest thing. West Virginia didn't seem like they had to trap as much as uh, what they normally do. They were just getting after it defensively and straight up uh, making OU pay for those things. They did do a a couple things with the double teaming uh, when the point guards came down the floor. But uh, Jordan Woodard's numbers didn't look that bad in that game. Uh, here, let's see if I can find them. They it was, uh, you know, three assists, two turnovers. Anytime you have more assists and turnovers, you're all right with it. But at the same time, there were some mistakes that he was making that were leading to to things uh, outside of him just getting credit with the turnovers. But Isaiah Cousins really struggled. Uh, had five turnovers, just a couple of assists. Uh, they've really got to get him going because they got to figure out their bench rotation. Uh, you know, they used nine guys. Well, they used a little bit more than that, but nine guys in a in a regular rotation uh, on Saturday. They just used seven uh, against Kansas State. They've got to get some other guys that can contribute and play meaningful minutes in the Big Twelve because otherwise, these teams like Kansas, like Oklahoma State, like uh, Texas, when they're going right, they can really wear you down. And not having uh, guys like DJ Bennett and Frank Booker that they can count on for significant minutes. Uh, they don't have to score a lot, but just do give you something and uh, that you feel good about what they're doing out on the court, uh, whether it be on the offensive end or the defensive end. But they're they're just not getting that right now. And that that's uh, got a really big potential to come back and bite them at some point. Booker had a nice game against OSU last year. <laughs> he that's did. That's the other thing. If you go back and look at this, there's always somebody you don't necessarily expect that jumps up and has a nice game for OU in Norman. It seems like you know Booker. Well, Booker and Tyler Neal. Tyler both had Neal. Huge games I last mean, year. there are, there are a bunch of OSU fans who call Tyler Neal like the Cowboy Killer <laughs> because he's played well in in that in that series. Obviously, he's not there anymore. But it seems like there's been somebody sort of jump up and uh, and sort of be a little bit of an X factor. Yeah, and and Bennett. Played a, a solid game last year. Had a couple buckets. Had four four points, four rebounds in 13 minutes, which uh, wasn't something that I imagine they expected out of him last year. But they were able to keep Ryan Spangler, you know, reasonably out of foul trouble. He had a, a few, but uh, he he didn't. You know, they didn't have to sit him on the bench for long stretches of time. That certainly helps. Uh, that's one of the things during this stretch that. Uh, as much as they've struggled, typically when OU has struggled the last couple of years, is because those big guys 
you know, Spangler and, and Cam Clark last year would find themselves in foul trouble and have to be off the court. They didn't really have to do that in either one of these games where they've they've really had issues. Uh, you know, uh, Kansas State, neither of them found themselves in much foul trouble until the very end. Spangler picked up a couple fouls and, uh, you know, racked him up there. But as far as the majority of the game when it was decided. And then uh, against West Virginia, Tom, Thomas only had one. Spangler had a, a couple, two or three. So, uh if they can keep those guys in the court, you'd think that they'd be all right. But at the same time, that's sort of when they've struggled. Maybe that's a, an indication of their aggressiveness uh, needing a little kick in the pants. Yeah, maybe. You know, and uh, it's interesting, you know, how each game, each week in this conference <laughs> seems to break new storylines out. You know, it's like you mentioned at the, at the start of the show. Um the difference in, in in what we're talking about, you know, last week it was oh you might be the best team in the league, <laughs> um, you know, and it, it just look at the results. We know what a good conference it is. Uh, you see it in the RPI and a lot of other places, the rankings, whatever. But I mean, the, there's going to be a lot of stretches for every team in, in, during this season where you kind of question yourself. All of a sudden, K-State feels good about itself. You know, I saw them, and they were a mess in Stillwater. Yeah, and we they thought won. Bruce Weber might be fired by yeah. the time that uh, they got out of Norman. Yeah, now yeah. they've yeah. won three in a row. You know, so um, it's, yeah, it's it, things are going to change, and they're going to take, you know, uh, veer off and go left and right and whatever during the season. Nothing's going to go straight and easy, I don't think, for anybody, and that includes Kansas and and Iowa State and whoever, Iowa State, found that out last night. Um, it, it, you just kind of have to kind of have to survive, I think, this season in the league. And, and at the end of it, you look up and see what your record is and, and, and move on. Yeah, you mentioned Iowa State finding out last night. That, to me, was a really eye-popping result uh, that uh, Baylor would be able to have the, the kind of success that they did uh, – against Iowa State. Yeah, I did too, although I'll say this about Iowa State. They're sort of the same team they always have been, which is um, a team that really relies on their shooting. You know, And every once in a while, you're not going to shoot it. And I didn't look at the numbers last night to see what what, what, what that looked uh, like here, for them. I, I, I pull them up, and Niang, 4 of 13 from the floor. Uh, uh, DeJon Jones, 5 of 10, so decent. Uh, so it wasn't a wasn't an awful shooting night for them outside of uh, George Niang struggling, which is obviously a huge part of what they do offensively. Right, you know, and, and they're not uh, they're not overly uh, physical inside, and you know, um, they're just a team that when they're going well and the offense is flowing and the shots are going down, they're really good and they're hard to beat. But they're going to have a few nights where they don't shoot it or whatever is the case, and. Um, you know, the offense just doesn't seem to really click. I'm with you, though. I was surprised. I didn't think – I really didn't think Baylor had what it took to to really knock them off, you know. I mean, maybe be in a close game with them, but uh, I, I, that one got me. Yeah, and it was, uh, for the most part, not a close game. I know it finished uh, – uh, what was it? A, a one-point game when it finished, but it was uh, – Baylor was up by as much as 14 in the final, uh, what, seven, eight minutes of the game, and – and then uh, Iowa State was able to cut it and actually tied it uh, really late. But uh, Baylor, that's a, a huge win for them. Uh, they needed a little bit of momentum here uh, for them early in the Big 12 schedule. No doubt about it. And, 
it's going to be fun. This league is going to be fun, and um, there's going to be there's going to be some eye openers. I think pretty much every every game night that there's more more than one game on the docket, especially. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a wild ride, and uh, it should be fun. Saturday in Norman, five o'clock tip. I think is a good time on a Saturday. I like when this game's on a Saturday. Uh, should be a good crowd. I would anticipate five o'clock tip. I believe it's a six o'clock tip. Six o'clock. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Six. But I, tip. I like a six o'clock tip. Yeah. Six. Six is good. Six lets you uh, enjoy your day pretty well beforehand, but still uh, not feel like you're about to fall asleep when you leave the arena. Whether your fans or, or us who have to stick around for a little bit afterwards. So. Looking for I like I like six o'clock tips and OU's had a nice little stretch of them here uh, over the last few weeks and I like them not on a weeknight you know <laughs> yeah Th- that way you don't have anybody coming up with an excuse not to go to the game yeah show I, up be loud get after it should be a great atmosphere and uh, and hopefully it's a good game as well uh, definitely and like you said it there's a good chance that this this uh, says a lot about the futures of both these teams so it'll be uh, certainly an intriguing game outside of just being bedlam so uh, will be a fun one but next week uh, OU uh, goes to Kansas and to Baylor uh, a really rough stretch for them like I said I think they feel like they need to win probably at least two of those three uh, that they've got coming up and that really needs to include a, a bedlam win uh, against the Cowboys uh, OSU on the other hand uh, who do they got uh, coming up Texas Tech. Uh, the, the one of the few chances to to catch your breath a little bit right, in this league, right? And 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 they need a home game, and they need a home game that's sort of like that. You know, they've played three of three of the last four here uh, on the road, and um, and then they go to K State, which is going to be interesting. That was their that was their Big Twelve opener. Uh, K State didn't play well. Obviously, have turned some things around. Marcus Foster, a huge part of that. Uh, but I, you know. It's a winnable game. At some point, OSU is going to have to win some of these games they're in late, you know, on the road. They need to pick up one or two here or there. You know, it's gettable, but, um, you know, I think it's interesting, too. They're going to get Kansas State out of the way real early. Yeah. (laughs) And after the first game, I think you probably think, hey, we get to play them again here in two weeks. Get them while they're still down. Well, guess what? Maybe they're not still (laughs) down. Yeah, well, that's the way it works in this league. Fortunes can change really fast. Fortunes have changed really fast for TCU, uh, one of the teams we haven't mentioned. that they uh, Now, we knew that their non-conference schedule wasn't brutal, but uh, still were able to come out of it undefeated, and they're uh, still searching for that uh, Big 12 victory. Yeah, and, you know, I thought they were improved, and I still do. I mean, they, they've got some players that are healthy for the, you know, for the first time in a couple of years. I think they're improved. They're going to jump up and beat some people. But, yeah, I think they've been exposed a little bit. Also, Texas Tech, obviously, um, not quite ready. Yeah, absolutely. And and TCU and Texas Tech will play on Saturday at, at 3 o'clock in sort of uh, who's going to win a, a Big 12 game type of environment. That game will be in Lubbock. But uh, it's been a long time for TCU since they won a Big 12 game. And you've got to imagine that they'll be fired up and, and have a chance because they've had some chances in these first few uh, games. I mean, they lost to to West Virginia by 11. That game was pretty tight late. Uh, lost at Kansas State by just five. Um, at the time, we thought, oh, Kansas State was down. It was just, you know, could have been like a dead cat bounce for them. Uh, uh, just uh, an aberration. Turns out that they're they're playing pretty decently. And then uh, took Baylor to overtime uh, at home. 
or, or at their version of home, I guess, as, as we could say this yeah. year, with them playing in a high school arena. So uh, uh, I really like Trent Johnson, what Trent Johnson has done this year with this team. I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to get some wins in the Big 12. I think they're probably going to beat a team that's not Texas Tech at some point, some team that come, goes down mm-hmm. there and uh, just sleepwalks through a game. They're going to find a way to jump up and bite them. But uh, it'll be interesting to watch uh, – the Big 12 on Saturday, as it is every week when, when every team's playing, uh, because you never know what's going to happen. And because TCU and Texas Tech are playing each other, that means there are no letdowns for anybody else. Baylor's at Kansas State should be a solid game. Uh, West Virginia's at Texas. We'll see if Texas bounce back. We'll see what West Virginia's defense does against uh, those bigs, because West Virginia has struggled against teams who've had really strong offensive uh, big men. And then Kansas Kansas. Uh, visits Iowa State in a game that, uh, who knows, could wind up deciding the Big 12 title. Yeah, good stuff. And, um, you know, hitch up, get ready for the ride because it's <laughs> going to be fun. And it's I don't think, and we talked a little bit about this last week, I don't think the top of the league is great. Yeah. you know, and I don't I was, think there's a Final Four team in it. I don't either. And um, saw Texas live. Obviously, OSU knocked them off. You know, their big win so far in this season. Um, you know, they're good. Not great. Saw Kansas. They have some issues. You know, um, I I think the league overall is better. I think it's a good, really, really good league. I just don't know that the top part of the league is the cream of the crop like we're used to. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. But uh, should be a fun one. We'll be there Saturday night, six o'clock at Lloyd Noble Center for Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. So it should be a fun one. We'll be there uh, covering for NewsOK.com every day and every morning in the Oklahoma. And you can check us out for the best OU and OSU coverage anywhere. 